Fedorita, Nikita Korov, the Russian Nightmare, and you are listening to Wrestling for the Faith with Casey Cage. Stay tuned, or I come after you, Fedorita. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wrestling for the Faith. I'm your host, Casey Cage, and I thank you for joining us today. I've got a very special guest on with me today, but before I get to him, uh, I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, this is verses 9 through 11. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And that, even though these may seem like some harsh verses, that verse 11 is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. And it just lets us know the grace of God and what Jesus did for us to take away all of our sin. If we will truly accept him, he will, he will come in, he will clean us up, he will completely transform our lives. All of these things that it, it uh, talks about sins uh, and, and that they will not inherit the kingdom of God, the greedy, uh, the fornicators, the adulterers, and so on and so on. But verse 11 says, and such were some of you. Such were some of you. I promise you. Uh, the grace of God can change any person and wash away any sin, no matter what. And uh, this man that I've got with me today, he knows better, better than most anybody that he knows who I used to be and uh, who I am now. And he knows that I am a completely different critter. So without further ado, I want to introduce my guest today, one of the very few uh, people who I have escaped the wrestling business with and am able to call a friend and one of the men who I have the most respect for as a man and as a professional wrestler, and I'm not afraid to say it, the best wrestler that I had ever been in the ring with. My greatest rival over the last 18 years, Johnny Rock. How you doing, brother? Man, I, I don't know that I deserved all that. I mean, <laughs> good grief. Uh, man, I'm doing great. Um, glad to be here with you, man. Uh, honestly, it's uh, been a long time, too long. Definitely has. Uh, I just, uh, you know, every time we get together, it just seems like... Uh, Nothing's ever changed. Yeah. We just pick up where we left off, you know, but uh, things have changed. Uh, you've changed. <laughs> and, you know, just like re what you were saying, man, it's, it's for the better, and I can't tell you how proud I am of you to uh, have have taken this walk of faith and just uh, ran with it. Well, thank you. That's uh, All glory goes to God because that's, uh, you know, I who I used to be, you know, I never had the desire to change. I didn't have the desire to change until Jesus came into my life. 
Jesus changed me. I didn't go to rehab. Uh, I didn't. I didn't set out on some twelve-step uh, program or set out on some journey trying to better myself. I was just changed by the grace of God, and that's that's the only thing. And and He's done it for so many others uh, throughout history. Yeah, you can uh, you can definitely tell when uh, when He's tugging at your heart. As he's done uh, for me numerous times, um, you, you really feel different when you when you feel that tug. You know, it's just kind of like you know you you don't you don't question the decisions that you're making. It just you know that they're they're right. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that what you're what you're about to do um, is the right thing to do. As I've often found, and I told my daughter this not too long ago, uh, we were having a conversation, and uh, oftentimes I've found that if that if you have to think too long about your choice, um, you're probably headed for the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it feels like a bad decision, then most likely it, it is. Yeah. Um, like what you're saying, it's just it's automatic. You know, when you, when you feel the Lord tug at you, um, the decision is not hard. Right. You just you just go. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I've struggled with that a lot, but um, he he works on you all the time. I believe definitely. And uh, regardless of where we're at, who we are, and what we're doing at the time, when it happens, it's gonna happen, and you'll feel it. Well, and you'll know it. Uh, that's like me and Woody was talking about last week. The Lord, you know, none of us are perfect, but it's never an excuse not to strive for that perfection. Right. You know, and and all of us are a work in progress. The Lord is, he is cleaning us up. Uh, you know, once you give your life to him, he is cleaning you up from the inside out and and growing you day by day. There's none of us who know it all. There's none of us who who understand everything. There's none of us who are perfect. But he is perfecting us by the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. He's protect, uh, perfecting us day by day. That's what sanctification is, and that's what, uh, that's what the walk with Jesus is all about. That's, it's him uh, showing us who we truly are in Christ and and making us understand his love and his grace and his mercy. It's not anything that that we do. It's not it's not oh look look how much I read. Look how much I go to church. Look how much I help the poor. Look how much I do this or that. Uh you know, those things some of them can be good, but a lot of people uh get religious and get get hung up on those things and try to put themselves above others. Uh, but that's not what it's all about. It's it's not about what I have done. It's about what he did. And what he did on the cross over 2,000 years ago paid for so much uh, that we will, we will not even completely understand everything that it paid for until we are face-to-face with him. So I'm just going to kind of begin a journey here i know that i definitely want to talk about some of the matches that we've had <laughs> but 
I, I want to begin. How much time? You, yeah, you I don't, I don't, well, <laughs> we, we might have to do a part two somewhere down the road. I got to go to work in the morning. <laughs> you know? I, mean, I, just, I can't spend a night, you know. Uh, <laughs> just start off, how'd you get started in the wrestling business, and and when was that? Um, God, if you want to... My actual start in the wrestling business, um, my very first match was May 18th, 2002. Um, but prior to that, I was brought up with it. Um, my mom, when I was uh, just two weeks old, she had me sitting in my infant seat beside her watching Georgia Championship Wrestling. Mm. And even though I don't remember... You know, I don't know if anybody remembers what was going on in their life at two weeks old, but um, she's told me that. And uh, man, I've I've got to show you these sometimes. I've got Rubbermaid totes in my attic at, at home, full of albums from where my mom, you know, in her twenties, uh, went to shows and and uh, you know got to meet several. I mean, she got you know close with some of these people, um, and. Uh, so that's that's really where it started. My mom just kind of it just she's here it is. Yeah. This is what I enjoy watching. This is what I enjoy following. Then it was ingrained in you from the beginning. Oh man, it's uh it was like somebody just took an injection and just put it right in my veins <laughs> and, it, and it's never left. Yeah. Um so I've got pictures of me with some of the older, you know, older wrestlers, Tim Horner, Tommy Rich. Um I remember my mom told me a story one time that uh Ivan Koloff uh, was holding me one time because uh, Buzz Sawyer and Tommy Rich was in a real bad feud. My mom was out there, and uh, as Buzz Sawyer come out, he went into a into a frenzy because she had a Tommy Rich shirt on. You see, back then they still they still mm-hmm. they they lived and breathed it. You know, no matter if he was in the building or outside the building or if he was at the restaurant three hours away, you were Buzz Sawyer. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I got real upset. Of course, I don't remember none of this. I was just a baby. But uh, somehow or another, Ivan Koloff got a hold of me. And uh, my mom just told me a story of when Buzz Sawyer was threatening to rip her shirt off and burn it. <laughs> and what have you. Uh, Ivan Koloff sitting there holding me. Saying, it's okay, buddy. You, you know, it'll be all right. And then uh, as they were leaving, he told mom, this and this is... Uh, coming from her, she she said, uh, Ivan calls, so just anytime you're around, you just let him come see your uncle, uncle Ivan. <laughs> and it'd be cool to remember that, but yeah. of course, I don't. I just I have stories of what my mom told me. But uh, Ivan Ivan was a good guy. He was he was one that I got to talking to, and uh, I don't know if you remember or not, but when we were doing the GWM shows, mm-hmm. uh, I had him planned uh, to come in. And he was going to share his testimony and, uh, you know, do autographs at one of those shows. And uh, then we we end up uh, having to reschedule the date. And uh, then he passed away. Yeah. And so we never got that opportunity. But but just the, the conversations that I had had with him, uh, I really wish that we could have. I really wish we could have made that happen because he, he just, he, he was a great guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, just all my life, you know, I, I was, it's been wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. And I remember, you know, as a kid, 
remember when Sting and Luger faced off at Super Brawl. Mm. I believe is what it was. And, you know, we had cable back at the time. But at that point, if you didn't order the pay-per-view, you could still turn to the channel and listen to it, <laughs> but you couldn't see it. Uh-huh. And I remember kneeling down there beside the TV as a kid and listen, listening to, to Sting win the, you know, the, the championship. I think it, it might have been a crossbody or something like that off the top. Yeah. And I couldn't see it, but I couldn't have been more thrilled because every time it's been no secret who my hero is, oh, yeah. you know, and that that was carried over into my wrestling persona. But um, if you fast forward all the way to when I actually uh, started getting in a in a ring, um, mutual friend of ours, Skull, he uh, we we were hanging around, and um, I just told him like, man, how did I get in this? And he was like, well, you get trained. I was like, well, obviously, yeah. But I mean, can you show me how to do this thing? And uh, uh, my mom's manager at her at her job, Hoyt, which was Iceman down at TWA, um, he had keys to the building. Him and Doug Watkins were, you know, closer than brothers. And that just happened to be where Skull was wrestling. And uh, so we started going down, and I started – Training with Skull, and he got me in there and uh, taught me how to bump and run the ropes and throw punches and stomps and and all that good stuff. And within two weeks, I was running running spots. And he was like, "Man, you've got you've got it." He says, <laughs> "You're you're gonna be good, dude." And um, so Skull really got me in the ring and got me got me headed in the right direction. Taught me how to how to bump and. Uh, how to do things safely, and I give him credit that you know I, over the years I always say that Iceman trained me. Um, I don't I don't think I've given Skull enough credit. Um, I, I you know, which is it's that's on me. You know, I don't think I've given him enough credit because if you can't bump, you can't you know. Yeah. You if you can't bump, you can't work. Right. And I know that. <laughs> That's you know saying that it's like you know you take a look at some uh, some things that happen in the business and you know, well, some people would argue if you can't bump you can't work because there's people that can't <laughs> bump and they've been wrestling thirty years. Yeah, that's um, not to pick on anybody, but um, something happened or another. Skull he uh, he ended up going one way and and uh, I stayed at TWA. You know, as life has it, he you know he. He went and done his thing, and we kind of lost contact for a long time. And um, so Hoyt, Iceman, started working with me. And then that's when they say uh, I got took to the learning tree. <laughs> and uh, he got me in there. And, buddy, when that's what he taught me. You can't pick up on TV. You can't pick up playing video games. Um, he got me in and roughed me up. Mm. He showed me what it was like to, you know, to to be in there with somebody who wasn't going to pull their punches as much as some, who wasn't mm. going to pull their kicks, their stomps, their forearms. I don't think he ever pulled a forearm or a clothesline. He I, made you earn it. Yeah, yeah. He, he said, "You want to be, you want to be in this. I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna make you want to be in this." Yeah, and. uh I think Cody Gunn sat in on one of my training sessions one time, gave me no praise at all. <laughs> That's just how Cody was. I mean, he's you know old school guy, yeah. and um, he just 
he looked at me and he said, boy, if you ain't sore in places that you've never been before, you didn't do this right. <laughs> and I will tell you, after uh, after being in there with Cody Gunn and one training session and, and, and Hoyt, I was sore in places. I didn't know I had places. <laughs> but they uh, they took it to me. That's the thing that that's the thing that I I think, I, like I, going back to the conversation I had with Woody on last week's episode, you know I don't think the guys should be getting ten chair shots over the head and getting beat up in training, uh, but no, no. I mean I think that's missing. I think the door is too easily open to any uh, random guy off the street, you know. Uh, to come in and they instead of making them earn it instead of making uh, making sure that they have the passion and the heart for it uh, you know guys just want want to make some money so they'll tell guys yeah hey pay me this and I'll train you and you know they teach a guy how to bump and and then they put them on shows yeah there's far too many people who who haven't had to earn it Um, another thing that 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 did not happen in in training with me is if I messed something up, if I didn't take a bump properly, I didn't get chopped. They didn't put me in a corner and beat my chest in mm-hmm. with chops. No, they stopped and they showed me. No, son, this is how you do this. Right. This is, you know, you want to. This is how you want to perform this. This is how you want to take this bump for safety for not only you but but your brother, your brother that's in the ring with you. You know, we're not looked at as just another guy. It's supposed to be a brotherhood. We're yeah. supposed to take care of each other while simulating violence. Mm-hmm. So. They didn't. They didn't sit in it, sitting there. And when I say they beat the crap out of me, they didn't take advantage of a young kid who wanted to wrestle. They 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 taught me the right way. They mm-hmm. said, you know, doing doing falling trees. If I done something wrong, they stopped. Okay, no, Johnny. If you do this, it'll help you. Mm-hmm. You know, I see these guys and they brag about how many chops they give these green guys. It's like. Like, what are you bragging about, dude? Right. You're taking advantage of a guy who's wanting to come in and learn this business. And not only are you doing wrong by them, but you're doing wrong by the people that's coming in behind this kid because he's going to think that this is the way that this is done. Right. And in my eyes, it's not. I no. don't see the point in, in, you know, to me that's like, you know, if your dog takes crap in the floor, you go rub its nose in it, you know. It just... it. It irritates me when I hear stuff about that, but I don't believe I don't believe people should be beaten. But you know, like the old way of you know Hindu squats and oh, running yeah. the ropes and and you know making them puke, making because you know back in the back in the day, even before our time, uh, you know it was so protected. Yeah, and so. If you were going to allow anybody to come into the sport, you had to make sure that they had the heart for it and that they were willing to be a professional wrestler and not just not just somebody who wants to come in here and play wrestler. There's you know a big I mean? difference in somebody that wants to just be in front of a crowd to say, hey, I'm a wrestler, mm-hmm. versus someone who lives and and breathes this business yeah. and loves it. You can tell the people who really want to who really want to do well and some of these people who go home and throw their bag in a closet and don't wash their gear. Yeah. A a a, a wrestler takes pride in what he does. Right. 
And that's everything from preparation for a show all the way to analyzing what you could have done better on the drive home from a show. Exactly. You don't, you're never, you're never satisfied. You always, you know, think, dang, I could have done this better. And that was my thing, you know, going into this. And I, and that's why I recorded my training sessions. When I, when, uh, you know, going back to my first start, I would set a camera up and record my training sessions so I could take these things home and think, did this look good or did this look bad? Am I learning or am I not learning? Am I progressing or regressing? Mm-hmm. What am I doing? And I don't think enough people do that. Right. I, I think I think you should you should document this and not for the public eye, but for but for your own personal use. Watch yourself, study yourself, even in training. Watch what happens because the things that I learned, the things that I picked up on by watching my film from training, I wasn't just watching myself. I was watching the guy that was training me too. Mm-hmm. Because if I wasn't doing it right, he was showing me how to do it right. So then I have a visual on, you know, at home. I can sit and study this as long as I want to. I've got a visual. This is what I, I see. I could see what I'd done, and then I could watch him show me what I could do to make it better. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a key role in the fact that I turned out the way that I did is because I studied myself. I studied my trainer. I went to the shows and I paid to get in and I watched the guys on the card. I I rarely went to a show. After I started training, I don't don't think I ever went to a show as a fan. Even when I went to, to, to WWE house shows, uh, WCW house show stuff like that. I studied it. Yeah, I wanted to see if I could pick out where maybe they had messed up. Mm-hmm. Where, where in a move placement should I do a backdrop here, or should I, or should I wait and give him the backdrop midway through for a hope spot or something? Yeah. Should I do this here or there? And uh, it's what you call being a student. Whenever of the game. exactly, whenever I got started and I started filming my training sessions. And really started to try and wrap my mind around the business. That's, I don't think I started with training. I think that's when I started. Yeah. I don't, I, I started taking bumps with Skull, but I really started once I wrapped my mind around what can I do to constantly improve. Mm-hmm. And then uh, later on down, I, you know, I, I, I think I only trained six months. Maybe I mean, I mean maybe they were Doug Watkins and the rest of them. They were all like, "Kid, you're ready. Yeah. You've got it. The only way you're going to do this is if you get in there and learn from these guys." And I'm like, "No, I need to go a little longer. I need to go a little longer. Don't rush your training. Don't. This is something that you that you don't gamble with. You don't play with yourself. You know, as far as your health wise, and you don't gamble with somebody else's health either. Yeah. You you be meticulous about it. Take your time. Make sure you know what you're doing before you. You know, get in there and have your first match, um, and that's what I did. I, you know, they said, "Hey, kid, you're ready. You're ready." And this was like after a month. Mm. Get in there, dude. The only way you're gonna learn anything is if you, uh, if you get in there and mix it up with these guys. And I'm like, I understand that, but I don't feel comfortable with where I'm at. Right. And then, uh, 
I ended up my first match was against Ron Davis. I can't tell you the date. Um, I wore black jeans, tennis shoes, and a white T-shirt with uh, a black and blue line across the chest. You know, just I was not prepared, <laughs> and it and that taught me bad habits right off. You know, um, but I remember working Ron, and and Ron was great to work with. Um, he said, "Kid, will be all right." I was so nervous. I didn't even have music picked out. I don't even. I can't. Uh, I can't even remember really what song I come out to, and because uh, I wasn't even on the card that night. Uh, we had a guy cancel, I believe, and I, I don't remember ever planning this out or nothing. I don't. I don't remember going over anything in the in, in the locker room with Ron. Um, I remember he tried to get me to lace his boots, <laughs> and I and uh, I had advantage of people smartening me up to stuff like that. That's that's the one thing that was kind of out of the ordinary is Hoyt and Doug and them. They kind of they made me smart to stuff like that. You know, these, these guys are going to take exactly, advantage of Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I told him no. <laughs> uh, he asked me to lace his boots and, well, you lace your own boots. <laughs> and I gained respect from him for that too. Yeah. Because I wasn't going to come in that locker room and get bullied. Right. I was going to take my lumps, but I wasn't going to get pushed around and, and take, taken advantage of. Yeah. But I went out there, man. We had a great match. I think I threw 968 punches. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember, and I've got it on. I've got this on uh, somewhere at, at home. I've got. I filmed it, of course. Um, he beat me with a sidewalk slam, mm. and uh, I remember being like a breath of fresh air when I when I got to the locker room. I was like, "Man, I did it! I did it! I did it!" <laughs> like, oh my gosh, and I didn't botch. <laughs> but then I went back and I looked at the tape and. I don't think I could have been any slower than, I mean, I don't know what to compare it to. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I looked like a greenhorn. I mean, that's exactly, and that's exactly what I was, but, uh, but that's where it started, dude. It, you know, once I got over that, that first match with Ron and, uh, I remember taking that sidewalk slam and it, hearing that one, two, three and getting my shoulders to the mat for the first time my first match was a loss but when I went home that night man I you could not get the smile off yeah. my face I couldn't have been more happy to have lost in my life because there there, there it is uh, you go from a kid who sat at two weeks old with his mother in his infant seat yeah. you know and at the time and I, and I waited really too late to get started but here I am uh, 20 one years since 2002 in May, and I didn't turn 22 till October. So, um, 21 years old. Here I am. I'm a wrestler, mm-hmm. or at least I thought. Yeah. That going back to your filming and you carrying a camera. Uh, I, I remember back when I first met you. I always enjoyed you know, after that first match that we ever had, and we're going to get to that in a minute because you got a funny story on that. <laughs> but uh, but I remember always loving to work with you because 99% of the time you were going to have a camera set up. Oh yeah. And you know, I remember I actually, and I don't know. And it was my mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> always. I don't, I always. don't know how to, uh, I don't know how to, you know, find a gimmick to work it. You know, I used to have those old VCR gimmicks that you could slide it out and put yeah, the camcorder not... tape in and then you could put Do it in a VCR. One? No, you don't. I don't even have a VCR. I, I call Walmart. 
I, I was trying to find one. I, I was going to watch some old wrestling tapes. I got a box uh, of of wrestling tapes, uh, about a hundred of them in there, of when I first started, and then old WCW, NWA, WWF, oh, but I, I called Walmart one day and I asked the lady. They laughed hey, at you. you yeah, I said, I said, ma'am, do you guys do you guys carry VCR? And the, the the woman said, "Excuse me, a what?" And I said, "Oh, you must be about eighteen years old. You don't even know what a VCR is." Yeah, she probably but, knew who Marty McFly and Doc was. Yeah. She probably tell you to find them so you can go back yeah. and get one. But but I, I ran across the other day a uh, some of those little camcorder tapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one was. Uh, me, let's see, was it me and uh, Matt Jordan against you and David Young? Oh yeah, that was at a uh, what was it? What Country Squire Holmes. Country Squire yeah. Holmes. I remember. That. I got a funny story about and Country Squire Holmes too. Clayton Holmes now, ain't he? Yeah, yeah. Then, uh, then there was uh, that one of I think it's me and you <clears throat> against uh, Cassidy Riley and Eric Young. Oh my that's, gosh! Yeah, that so one, that, that was. But so I don't. Nervous. I, I, I I don't know how to watch them, and I wish I could. I wish I could figure out. how I've to watch got it. that match somewhere too. And I don't have one of them tapes, but I've I've still got. I don't even know if I still have my camcorders, but I used to. I used to watch those on my camcorder, um, and I would hook the uh, the video cables up to the back of the TV into the camera, and I'd watch it through that. Right, but um, can you still get a camcorder like that that fits those tapes? Everything's digital now. I mean, it's just. So I don't know how to. I bought my wife a uh, last camera I bought her. It's it's all digital, and this has not been that long ago. I mean, I don't think anything. Everything's stored on a device now, which it, or a memory card or something like that. It, I don't. I don't even know if they even sell anything to to make you know tapes. I don't right. think they even sell tape. I have no idea. Oh, I, I, it frustrates me because I ran across those and I was going. I was going to show them now, to the kids, and I was like, look, look, these, I remember these matches. And, and uh, If you can find a company to, uh, like we have this place called Flicko's down in uh, Fort Oglethorpe. I don't know if they're still open or not, but you could take your tapes to them, and they could convert them to Blu-ray or DVD. I don't know if they can convert them to Blu-ray, because that's, I mean, as a technology, as, as old as these tapes are, they weren't even thinking about Blu-ray at this right. point. It's, I mean, I know that they can take the tapes and transfer them to DVD. That would that would be <clears throat> not on what it costs. So. I'd like to find something like that because I, I'm, I when I when I found those, I started looking for that little little gimmick that you you know you slide it out and you put that little camcorder tape in and then yeah. you pop that whole deal in the VCR and and then I realized I didn't even have a VCR anymore. And, uh, but I don't know. I'm the man that technology forgot. So uh, <laughs> he's an analog man. Yeah. So okay. So back to TWA. Yeah. You're there. Now, uh, how long was it that you'd been going uh, before? Didn't me and, wasn't it me and Matt that? How- I, yeah, I can't remember how long. All I know is I got told, and this was these old uh, Jedi mind tricks that these, uh, the, the older guys would try to get you with. Um, oh, well, didn't you know he's, he's, using, he's using something you use here? And the, the, what it boiled down to, and this is how I found out about you and Matt, was Matt, remember Matt used to wear the mechanics gloves, mm-hmm. like Sting wore. And, uh, well, I did too. Oh. And that's where it all come from, was 
hey, you see this guy named Twister or whatever his name is that wrestles down here? He's wearing the same gloves as you, dude. And I'm like, oh, is he now? I worked hard and steal that from Steam. I ain't letting nobody else. And see, I hadn't started wearing, I hadn't started doing the face paint yet either. Yeah. And, uh, of course it didn't bother me. I didn't care. Who cares what kind of gloves somebody wears? You know, it's an accessory. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that's how I found out about y'all. And I didn't know y'all were going to come work in Dalton with us. I, I mean, I didn't understand. That's one thing I didn't know is, is once I got into the business, I did not realize how many wrestling shows were around us. Right. You know, because had I known, the only one I knew about whenever I was growing up, I knew about TWA when it was in Rossville, down off of uh, McFarland Avenue, and I went to it a couple of times, and then they moved and disappeared, and I don't, and I, don't I never knew what happened to them until I started working for them in Dalton, Georgia. Yeah. But the only other wrestling show that I ever went to was AWF for Paul. Right. And... You know, and I mean, it was a good show back then. And I mean, not saying that it ain't now. It's a good show now. But, I mean, I didn't realize that there were so many. You know, it seems like for every, you know, square block in your town, there's five shows (laughs) with, you know, within 10 or 15 minutes of it. Right. Now, I mean, I, but, um, I had never thought, well, these guys that they're talking about, they ain't going to come up here. I had never crossed my mind, nor did I care. All I was trying to do was cut my teeth in the business, have it, get, get as much ring time as I could as far as showtime and training. And I didn't care about anything. All I wanted to do was wrestle, get better. And it didn't even, I didn't even, uh, it never crossed my mind to go anywhere different. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it, like, it never, Never crossed it. I just never thought of going anywhere else. I didn't know, you know, you could get bookings over here and bookings over there. I didn't know how it worked, and that was one yeah. thing that I, did, that I didn't understand until later after I met you. Um, but I remember y'all coming, and it was like, oh, here's the new kids. Let's <laughs> see what they got. And the story I know that you, the funny story that you that you that you that you hinted at was. The fact that I got asked to shoot on you. Yeah. I didn't know what a shoot was. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you go, you take my definition or, or what the definition of a shoot is now in 2021 and you go back to the fathers of wrestling, you ask them what a shoot yeah. is, you're not going to get the same answer. Right, right. I guarantee you. The kids now, the, the guys that are working now, couldn't define what an actual shoot no. is. They think it's just being stiff. If they were standing in front of, you know, Bruno San Martino or Harley Race or Luthez or or any of these, you know, any of these guys, explain to me what a shoot is. Yeah. They have no clue. Right. They have no clue. Man, some of these guys would break your legs. They would break your arm. You make them look bad, Mm -hmm. you don't get but one opportunity. There ain't no three punch rule you know okay lighten up okay lighten up okay wham you know yeah. that's not how to know a shoot it just happened you're getting hooked and you're getting hurt exactly yeah. they'd stretch you yeah you know but uh I, I got asked to, to to take it rough on you and Matt and I don't even I don't remember what it was for either I have no I idea I guess cause Matt was wearing your gloves I, I guess <laughs> 
And he even, I mean, I don't even think he wore them it that night. I don't remember. Well, anyway, I agreed to it. I said, yeah, sure. And I, I did I say something in the ring to y'all? Or did I wait until like, or was it like like years later? I, I think it was years later I can't you told remember. me about that. But they pulled me in the office and they's like, let's see what these boys got or let's, let's you know, I heard these boys are trouble or these boys think that they're this or think that they're that. I, I cannot remember the conversation or he, or even who who made the call. I can't remember the who the who the who was calling the the shots that night. Um but they was like, We need you to go out there and put it on these boys. Okay. Whatever. And uh I mean that's not how I talked to him, you know. I was right. just like, okay, in my mind I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll do what you need me to do. But I was like, well, they didn't do nothing to me. Yeah, They ain't never been here before. Let's make this a good experience for these guys because if they're talented, we want to keep them on the roster. Right. You know, why run two guys off and and, and, and be a jerk for no reason? They didn't do nothing to me. Yeah. So uh, we went out there and had a match. And I don't think there was a stiff punch thrown. Not that I can remember. Well, not by me because I, you know, yeah. I, 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 I worked, you know, I worked the front office that night. You know, yeah. I told him I'd do something, and uh, to this day, no one but you and I, and I don't even know if Matt knows about it, and me, I think my wife knows, but uh, I haven't really spoke about it to anybody because it wasn't nobody's business. Right. I was trying to keep talent around, not rough them up. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's, I, that. you know, uh, we got the reputation later on uh, for, you know, being being rough or tough guys and and roughing people up and stretching people and that's not a it's not a reputation that I'm proud of anymore I you know there in 2009 10 11 around in there you know I I took a lot of pride in that you know it it helped my man ego it was influenced by some of the wrong things right yeah but uh but no I mean that's you want you want good guys on the roster and uh I, I think probably the stiffest thing in that match was uh, you know, Matt Gilbert. Of course, that was just the way he worked. Is yeah. that who was in it? It was you and Matt Gilbert against me and Matt. Wow. Yeah. I, and, and see, I can't see it's this thing. It shows my age. I can't even remember who I was in the room. I knew, I knew you and Matt was in there, but I don't. I didn't know that I was. I was tagging with Matt Gilbert. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and <laughs> and we could never remember his name. So me and Matt, you know, back then it was before Matt shaved his head and he was bald. Right. Uh, you know, but he was just walking around, and I believe That's such another good talent, right? Yes. Matt Gilbert, my lord, black black trunks and no no shoes. You know, walk around God, barefooted. What a talent! What a talent! And, and we we called him the radioactive squirrel because <laughs> <laughs> he was he was so small, but he, his hair was like everywhere. I, no, I remember <laughs> that. No, because I, I, I had I, I had some major feuds with Matt at the time. And yeah, yeah his, his, his hair was a uh, later on. Later had on, its own when I worked him, for sure. yeah. When I worked with him, you know, later on, uh, I mean, he was he was always fun. He was he was he was a good one. Um, I didn't see any reason to pick on y'all. Well, I mean, I want to call for it, dude. I you had never been to TWA. You you tell me what you guys could have done so young in the business that could have. I mean, why? Yeah. And that would have been about halfway. That would have been about halfway through '03 because I uh, TWA was my my third 
show. Yeah. The the show that I started for, uh, working for Scott Prater, and then I remember Scott's first guy to ever put me over for uh, for strap. Well, uh, yeah. First guy to ever. Yeah, I love Scott. He's good. Uh, I don't know if he loves me. I ain't talked to him. Since, <laughs> I've honestly. not talked to him in a while either. I know my wife worked for him. He put the women's gimmick on her when her when she first started cutting in. Yeah. But uh, God, I haven't seen Scott since I maybe once or twice since. I think I was heavyweight champion for six months. Yeah. And. Uh, I can't remember the last time I seen him. It's been it's been a while since I've seen her or talked to him, but uh but no, I, I you know, started out working for him and then uh Hothy baby took me <laughs> Hothy. Yeah, Hothy. <laughs> uh took me to, to Fort Payne, Alabama, work uh, a show for Mahler Mays. Oh my lord. And then uh, Yeah. And then T W A was my third show. Right. So and and we didn't start getting out until we had been in for you know, five or six months. Yeah. So, you know, uh, TWA would have been somewhere probably mid Oh three, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what we would have, I don't know what we would have done to make people think now later on, I'll admit I got cocky. I got a big head, huge. But, uh, at that time, the guys that was around me, like, like Scott, and Hoss, and Jess Wade, Shane Williams, you know, they would have brought me down to size if they heard right, that I was yeah. getting a big head. Well, and, I, know. and I'll tell you now, there's not any of us that at, at some point, as long as all of us have been wrestling, at some point or another, there was an ego problem. Right. I don't care who, and let me tell you what this, what it boiled down to is you, you can't just stay in the same place. And have everybody telling you, "Oh, Johnny, you're great. You you should be somewhere. You should be doing this. You should be doing that." Um, I spent my first four four years I give to TWA, and this none of this was planned. Um, and I think the first time I ever went anywhere with any kind of credibility was NWA Anarchy. And remember when Hoss was going down there mm-hmm. and and. Uh, I can't remember the guy he was working with, but uh, I remember Todd Sexton had the book. Uh, Onyx was champion. Um, Sal Renaro was there. He, young, you know, great, great talent. Mm-hmm. Seth DeLay was there, great talent. I think Sean Tempers was there. Ace Rockwell was there. Um, Tank, I think Rev was there. I mean, dude, they had one of the most loaded rosters that yeah. I think I'd ever seen in my life. Um all these great talents. Uh, Hernandez, no Hernandez, yeah. that was with Impact, or I don't even know what he's. I, I think I seen something that he's back doing something now. I'm not sure. I don't keep up with him, but um, he was there the mm. first night that I ever went. And uh, the problem with uh, with a lot of these egos are you get told that you're good. Oh man, that looked great. That looked great. There's too many guys standing at the curtain when you come in to clap for you and tell you, oh man, that was a killer match. Even if there's stuff in your match that either A didn't make sense or B didn't go off the way it should have. Right. I that that was one of the biggest things that held me back at TWA was we were all a brotherhood and we wanted each other to feel like we were doing great. Right. But there was that lack of honesty 
when you come through that curtain to say hey, man, some was yeah, exactly yeah. some was good, but dude, some of it just you just don't ever need to do again. Right. You know. And, and TWA was one of those, it, it, it was a good, it's, it wasn't televised or nothing like that, so it was a good place to go for talent and try stuff that you've never tried before to see if you can do it, because 90% of the time, 99% of the time, the crowd's done forgot if you botched a move by the time main event's over. Yeah. Probably by the time you get out of the ring. You know, I, I can't tell you ever... In the years that I've been in the ring, I cannot ever remember a time where somebody or a fan come up to me. He's like, "Dude, you remember that time where you were supposed to duck a clothesline and annihilator clotheslined you in the face because you didn't hear what he said and and you took it straight to the mouth and that happened." <laughs> I didn't hear him call. I didn't hear him say duck a clothesline, buddy. He didn't. And those guys, they didn't do this swinging way above your head right. type crap. No, they followed they through with it. And I know people can't see what I'm doing now, but you can. But you follow through with that clothesline because you want to give the appearance that you're fixing to level this guy. Yeah. He's not supposed to know you're going to duck. Right. But I didn't duck that night. And, buddy, he knocked me into a, yeah. another world. I, 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 used you know, to, I used to have a bad habit when I first started of swinging. When, I, when somebody was going to be ducking, I would swing high. Like, are you? And, <laughs> and I mean, I remember I got jumped on that. They said, no, you swing to take that guy's head exactly. off. If he don't duck, it's his fault. You're 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 throwing a clothesline, not a fastball. Yeah, yeah. You know, you throw, <laughs> yeah, but uh, there's there's not enough of that. But when you get told, going to the egos, you get told for so long that you're this good and you should be somewhere and that you you're an amazing talent, and then you go somewhere like what I did, mm-hmm. NWA Anarchy. And you talk to the people there, and they're like, well, first of all, you ain't wearing wrestling gear. You're in black jeans and a T-shirt. Yeah. And, okay, so right off the bat, my appearance is wrong. I don't look the part of a wrestler. Right. Um, they's like, well, kid, I'll tell you what. You come and sit in on some shows, see how we operate, and we might get you on TV. Okay, awesome. So I, the next show I went to... I went and I got I worked out in the ring after the show with uh Sal Renaro and um Seth Delay. Seth Delay always called me the man with the shoulder tackle. And I mean I say he <laughs> called me that, but like I like I know him, you know, personally, like we call each other now. I have had one or two interactions with him and he called me the guy with the shoulder tackle because, you know, I'm six foot tall, five eleven, six foot tall. 230 pounds and when I put a shoulder tackle in I was taught to put a shoulder tackle in I didn't take into consideration hey these guys are traveling all over doing this they're not playing as hard as what some of us play just on the weekends Yeah. so when I give him a shoulder tackle buddy I gave him a shoulder tackle (laughs) but uh, Sal Renaro and I held this against him for the longest time but he is the one that really opened my eyes and he he probably doesn't remember me or recalls this happening or anything, but you know, hundred percent, this is fact. When I went down there and worked out in the ring after the show, he says, "All right, let's let's see what you can do." Everything I'd done, he critiqued. Mm. Everything. When we locked up, he'd shoot, shot, you know, shot around, hit me with the go behind, reversal reversal 
So he had, you know, he, he had me back in it. So as I'm sitting here trying to break his waist lock, I'm, I'm looking down at the mat. And he stops, pushes my head up, takes his, takes his hand, pushes my head up. He says, they can't see your face. Yeah. Yep. You're working for TV now. You're not just, you're, you're not just in here playing. Right. Everything that I'd done, he critiqued me on. Because he had a heads up on what to do, man. He was he he obviously you know had more info than what I ever did. Yeah. And I and at my at that time, dude, you couldn't have told me this guy is ain't a jerk. To me, dude, I left there with the worst taste in my mouth because when I went down there, I was Johnny Rock from yeah. TWA. I was X amount of time heavyweight champion there, <laughs> and it never occurred to me that anybody was better than me uh-huh. until I stepped in. To NWA Anarchy and seeing Ace Rockwell work and Sean Tempers and Tank and Danny, you know, Henry Hoss. I seen all these guys doing their thing and I said, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. And then whenever I worked out that little bit with Sal, I don't even think we was in there 10 minutes before I got flustered and I was like, okay, I'll work on this stuff. And the whole way home, I done nothing but complain and cry. And Hoss was laughing at me. <laughs> and uh, I never went back. Yeah. Never went back. And if I ever had an opportunity of doing anything other than what I've done, that was it. And I squandered it because I got told that I was Johnny Rock. And, and you couldn't tell me nothing because I was this good and right. I should already be somewhere. You know what? That's the difference maker. That's, and that's, that's for anybody out there listening. Aspiring wrestlers, current wrestlers, whatever. Don't matter how long you've been in, you've always got something to learn. And if Sal ever heard this conversation that we're having now, I just want to tell him thank you because without that knowledge, without what he what he done to me, and even though I held it against him and he didn't know I held it against right. him, I mean, um, he opened my mind up and opened my eyes up to, and made me realize, hey, kid, humble yourself before that's, you get humbled. Yes, yes. And I think that's what he was telling me bef- w- w- without without telling me. I think he was telling me, humble yourself before you get humbled. Right. And that's that's a big that's a big part of it. If you're not if you're not teachable, uh, then you can stay in your uh, little little show. Working in front of the same twenty-five or thirty people every yeah. week, you'd be king of the and mountain, it, on, uh, you know, for twenty years. Right, but if if you're not teachable, uh, you you can't, you're not going to grow. And there's so many like that. But that's that's something that everybody needs to really take into account is humbling yourself and and always being coachable. Uh, you can learn something from everybody. I and really. If, I really didn't start being a sponge for everything until then. Yeah. And that's what you have to do. You have to take everything in. So from that point forward, and and I'm sure I had my points where I was difficult to work with, you know, Woody will even tell you that, you know. um, I just took everything in. Mm-hmm. What all these vets were, I didn't look at these guys with, you know, the older guys that just wanted to hang around. I started taking in their advice. Well, maybe you shouldn't throw this clothesline here. Maybe you should throw it here instead. Right. 
and I became a sponge and started soaking all this stuff in. After that interaction with Sal, um, that's when it took off, dude. Yeah. Then you started getting me bookings, and then I started getting bookings, and <laughs> when, we, we, uh, when we went to Florida with Ted. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was one of the greatest experiences in my entire time in the business, because you and I, I don't think you and I had ever done this. This is a, I think it might have been a first for both of us. Remember, we got down there and got in the locker room. We were baby faces. And we were looking for our opponents, who we were working with. <laughs> uh-huh. And little did we know, this is the first time that we were going to have a heel locker room and a baby face locker room right. separated. The only person who knew the finish was the refs. Yes. You and I didn't know the finish. Right. And I was asking, well, how are we going to get with these guys and go over this stuff? You know, we got we got to talk this match over, and where do we go to, to talk? You don't. You just go out there and You work. just go out there and wrestle. <laughs> this is when you find out who you are. That's right. Are you? This is where it's a gut check for both of us, yeah. for you and I both at that point. That's where the test came in. Are we going to make it in this business yeah. or not? Hadn't even met the guys. <laughs> no, that's the thing. When we locked up, because I, I believe I, I might have started the match that night. But um, that was an introduction. Yeah. Hi, I'm Johnny. Exactly. Yeah, you lock up with this guy and you're like, hey, I'm Johnny. Hey, I'm blah, blah, blah. Cool. Arm drag. Snap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and we had a five-star tag match that night, dude. And it was yeah. amazing. And I could not, for the life of me, I still can't get over the fact that we went down there. We called no spots. We called no finish, nothing. I don't remember what the finish was of that match, and I don't care. I just, I just, I, I just took it in that we just went down there and worked with two guys that we have never met, and I haven't spoke to since. Right. Worked at a show that I were that that I'd never been to, that I haven't been back to since. Worked in a town that I'd never been to, have never been back since. Had a five star quality match. Had the crowd into us, yeah. especially for two guys that had never been there before. Right. And and that was that in Pensacola? No, it was, was in Milton, Florida. Milton, Milton, Milton Florida. Because yeah. we went down, it was like a six-hour drive or some crazy thing like that. And uh, We went down, done the shot in Milton, uh, and then came back through Atmore, Alabama the next day, and I regret what I'd done that day. Um Ted was Ted asked me if I wanted to work, and I was I'd be working him, and I got cold feet, mm. and I said, "Man, my back's my back's bothering me. I'm kind of sore right now." Casey, won't you take it? You remember that? Yeah. I had a golden opportunity to wrestle in some place that I'd never been before against somebody like Ted Allen, and I chickened out. And the promoter was Wild Samoans. Yeah, and, <laughs> and and it was for sake of the Wild Samoans. Yeah. Yeah. And I and you know. There was another. There was another. You know, another opportunity of networking that that I cast out into wherever, along with NWA Anarchy, because either A, I got my feelings hurt, or B, I got scared because I was working somebody the caliber of Ted Allen. Yeah. Two opportunities right there that I that that I that I squandered. Yeah. That so is. I sat there and sold his gimmicks. Yeah. <laughs> sold his mask. And that's you know I remember I remember that show man I I was I was nervous because you know once again place that we'd never been 
I'd been riding with Ted for a few weeks or a couple of months, but uh, that was the first time that I'd actually worked him. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was the first time that I'd worked him. Well, and I put you in a pickle, didn't it I? It was. <laughs> and, and and what he did, and, and I was, you know, Sika ended up putting us in the main event. I remember. And, I, and you know, the Samoans are there. The Fargos are there. And, I mean, this is a legend show down there. You know, a, a Florida Territory oh, legend yeah. show gimmick. Yeah. This was in Florida Territory, but it was right. out more Alabama. Yeah. But they, I remember they put us in the main event, and I was like, you know, okay, this I, I've been been quite acquainted with Ted over the last couple of months, just riding down the road, getting his knowledge. But I hadn't, uh, I hadn't actually been in the ring with him. Uh, in a in an actual match, right? And as far as the match goes, he didn't talk to me about none of it. My music was about to hit, and I said, "Ted, what are we doing? What's the finish?" He said, "Oh, we'll figure it out out there, buddy." <laughs> and uh, and I remember I was wearing a shirt, and uh, he said, "You ain't gonna wear that shirt in the match, are you?" And I said, "Well, I usually do." He said, "No, no, you ain't doing that with me." That's there it is. Yes, sir. <laughs> so but yeah that was that was really nerve-wracking for me but but it ended up being good and, and he put me over i remember that crazy I guy remember. crazy guy man i, I miss him i miss yeah. him all right so okay now let's transition to the chaos wrestling federation <laughs> wow <laughs> man oh man now okay now at one time i can't remember the exact timeline on this but Jeff Bowman was running Dayton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we were running with CWF, Cleveland, and Benton. I don't even think we was in Benton yet. See, but we were just doing spot shows at that point for country at Country Squire Homes. Yeah, okay. And Jeff Bowman was involved somehow because he had that up in Dayton at the Armory. Right. And we were kind of merging, yeah. if, I, if memory serves Co- me Co-promoting. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so, now when we, I don't even remember how we planned the stories or how it got going, but somehow it's, somehow it's me and you. We were doing, uh, we were doing CWF shows, or yeah, the co-promotion shows in Dayton. We were doing the Country Squire Home spot shows and, and... uh, wasn't we still doing some at the Armory in Cleveland? I think so. I don't know if we were doing the Armory in Cleveland yet. Why not? I have no I know. I, I, I let's see. We were doing uh, these little spots. I remember the first the real first CWF show that I that really sticks out in my mind. Do you remember who was it that was where it's me and uh me and Shane Williams worked you and Sonny Siaki. Okay. Was that it? That was a country squire. That's a country squire home, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this was in 05 because this was uh, right before the first TNA pay per view I ever watched was Bound for Glory 2005. Okay. And um, uh, I think Sonny Siaki was the first, one of the first names that I'd ever worked with, maybe. Um, I just remember big old muscle, you know, muscled up guy, and he came in and trying to go over what we wanted to do and what have you and uh you know chaos being in the name of the of the promotion we had to do some unorthodox i just remember i, I told him 
well, you know, give me a sidewalk slam right here. He was like, man, he's like, you big guy. I don't, you know, sidewalk slam. <laughs> and uh, we get out there. And as all CWF events went, it went from a regular style match into a massive brawl. And all rules were thrown out the window because it was sort of your play on ECW. Right. We just didn't go to that degree uh, of what ECW did. But it was kind of like set up like that. You know, you could play with chairs. You could Basically, play with... no disqualification. Exactly. I remember we had just talked to I just talked to this fella in the back. Give me a sidewalk slam out there. Oh man, I didn't pick you up from the sidewalk <clears throat> slam. You're a bigger guy. And I was like, I think at the time I was like two fifty or two sixty. I'm like, dude, you probably bench press me. <laughs> but um and he wasn't a tall guy either from what I remember. Not to, he was a little taller than me. Six Three, four. I don't remember him being Six, that two, tall. Three. I, don't, I don't remember. Anyway, it's been a long time since I've seen. So Sonny. we get out there and we're playing, and of course the you know Joey was out there running his mouth because y'all were inseparable, <laughs> and uh, I just remember this guy says that he didn't want to give me a sidewalk slam when we're going over this match, but we get out there and he says, "Hey, want to go through a table?" Yeah, and I'm, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, mind you, I I never. I I've never done hardcore matches really. Yeah, I did. I don't care for them. They're not, not and it's nothing against them. Just not my style. And so he's like, "Hey, you want to go through the table?" And I'm sitting here like, "Huh?" <laughs> so he tells Jay Jay West, "Clear off that table. Uh, all the sound equipment and everything's on." And and I'm trying to avoid this table, so I start heading for for the street. <laughs> that was on the other side of the ring, and I'm like, "Dude, so." The same man who was griping about not wanting to give me a sidewalk slam because I might be too heavy takes and power bombs me through a table in the parking lot of Country Squire Homes. And I, at that point, I don't remember ever being so scared in my life as far as being in a match. Yeah. But that was one of the first things about CWF that I remember was that this is not going to be normal. Right. And, well, and, and with, with Sonny, most likely... Because, man, you've been in these situations, too. Uh, till you get out there and work with somebody and feel somebody out, you know, with a sidewalk slam, he was probably thinking, hey, this, this guy might sandbag me and, you know, throw my back out or something. So, so you know, oh, yeah. once he got out there and worked with you, and like, oh, this guy's light on his feet. He can go, mostly, you know. <laughs> I'd like to think mostly everybody that I've ever worked knows that I'm not going to sandbag him. Yeah. You know, I – I might jump a little too much for you, unless you're in there with Cyrus, who's going to throw anything and everything around <laughs> like it don't weigh anything. Yeah. Strongest individual I've ever encountered in my life. Hey, dude, he is scary. Yeah. Strong. And he got scary good too. I I don't think I ever I don't think I ever worked for him or worked with him. We we, we was going to bring him. Then. We was going to bring him. Uh, I was actually going to book him in an angle with me at uh, uh, GWM. Yeah, and then God, he would. ended up not being able to make it, so that's when we created that Judas character, and I started doing that deal. <laughs> but uh, uh, CWF, dude, my, I, I think you and I were synonymous with that. Do you remember the spot we done? Uh, it's after y'all created the mirror image. It's kind of your rip on the four horsemen. Um, okay, now the original mirror image. This is me. You Rivers, Rivers. Keith Hart. Keith Hart. Hazard, wasn't it? Was it Hazard? I don't think Chip was in the I don't know. I think Chip was I think Chip was in the original and then 
I th- yeah, I think you're right. Then him yeah. and Chad started tagging, and they wanted to do that, they so we brought KT that. in. Okay, yeah. I think that's the way it went. I think it was, too, because there was a big – yeah, because there was a big swerve, because I was heavyweight champion, and uh, I remember we'd done the big swerve where you kind of teased a babyface turn, and uh, CWF, you know, like I said, any, no rules, no, you know, any match can get changed, even right in the middle of it. Remember, we'd done that show up – that was at Prospect Elementary. Exactly. Up, yep. up, up, up like Highway 60 or something like that? Uh, it's off, uh, it was off of Harrison Pike, but it's on, okay. it's on, it's in Cleveland. Um, so, I remember I was supposed to main event for the heavyweight title that night against Chip. And we had worked this big angle like Chip was, you know, building Chip, building Chip, building Chip. And then all of a sudden, you was the referee. And <laughs> what did we call your finish back then? <laughs> AIDS. <laughs> so you gave me AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a referee, Casey Cage gives Johnny Rock AIDS and uh, pulls the referee shirt off, gives it to Chip. Chip counts one, two, three, and lo and behold, Casey Cage is the new heavyweight champion. I bet Chip felt screwed in that angle. He probably did. But I think actually, I don't know. I don't know why we did that. I don't know either um, because I got the belt right back. Yeah, it was a wasted opportunity, especially for Chip. Chip right. should have been put over right, right. there. Right, and I mean, I can't think of you know that that would. But it have was been Joey, a, man. I mean, well, and that's what I was gonna say. That I, at first I thought, well, it must have been something to do with my ego. But actually, with CWF, the way we booked it, uh, you know, me and Joey would come up with with angles and matches together. But when it come to my stories. I let Joey book it. That way, guys didn't exactly. think, oh, you know, you know, Casey's well, putting himself over here. But the thing about it is, CWF revolved around you and I. Mm-hmm. Everything that happened at that show revolved around you and I. And the other matches kind of seemed like fillers at that point. Yeah. I don't think anybody other than, uh, w- with the exception of a few people, got the proper Paul Driver, got <laughs> Kurt Angle. <laughs> Kerr Tangle, not Kurt, Kurt not yeah. not Kurt Angle, but Kerr Tangle. That was a great gimmick. Uh, he got treated, you know. I don't know that he got treated the best because he got beat up a lot. But other than Johnny Rock and the Mirror Image and maybe Paul Driver, I think everybody else from time to time got lost in the shuffle. And I don't. But everybody worked for us. And nobody ever complained about anything. At least not to me. Right. Um. But we were heavy favorites, you know. The, the belts always from the belt always surrounded you or me. Um, I don't know that anybody. I, matter of fact, I think I'm still CWF champion. I, I would say <laughs> I you think, probably. I are. think I'm still TCW champion. You probably are. And I retired that way. Um, <laughs> but uh, boy, we had some good. Remember the one where uh, something happened. I legitimately got hurt. Um. Oh, remember it was a car wreck I had, I think. Maybe it was a car wreck where I had all the staples in the back side of my head. Mm. And uh, I had to get my staples out or something. But remember, I, we pulled up, Tiffany, yeah. me and Tiff pulled up in, in the car, and I had the doctor's note. Uh, I wrestled in street stuff. clothes that yeah. night. Uh, it was that a tent. Was that, uh, Nobody knew I was there. Nobody. Not even the right. boys. Um, we kept it a secret for months. But uh, Was that Land of Confusion 08? I can't remember what it was, but it's on YouTube. It is on YouTube, yeah. Um, but I remember uh, 
my wife still to this day will never let me leave us down. I I done a burnout in her car in the parking lot trying to beat the ten count because you and Jay were in the ring counting the ten, and if I didn't make it, it was a disqualification. Yep. And Casey Caves was new champion. Yep. And uh, dude, I, them gravels hit her wheels on that car and ate the clear coat off. <laughs> and ever since I done that, dude, them wheels on that car started peeling. And she never. We can't talk about. CWF or that match without her saying, yes, when you rent my wheels. <laughs> I can hear her little self now. Oh, all five Lord. foot three of her. <laughs> and, uh... That was a know, good... That was a fun match, though. Oh, man, it was. It wasn't the smoothest, I remember. Um, but it, it, there's one in particular where I, I know I, it hurt me. But I gave you... Remember where we were playing playing around and it was like I'm gonna start throwing in some of uh, some of uh, the moves from from the boys on TV to see if anybody in the locker room catches oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I start doing Shawn Michaels whole comeback spot where do the forearm, kip up, punch bump, punch bump, slam, elbow drop. But I remember for whatever reason you and I were off. Mm-hmm. I was feeding to I was feeding with my right forearm to your left hand side. But for whatever reason, we got crossed oh, up. Oh, yeah. I and we hit like, dead center. Bam. And when you bumped, you done a Lex Luger type thing and left one knee up. Oh. And I went crotch first right into your knee. You can see it on camera, too. And I just oh. remember laying in there and thinking, <laughs> I was like, man, I got to keep up to my feet now. And here I am all swollen up. Uh, I, I didn't remember. I didn't oh, it's, remember that. It's on camera. I remember, I remember that getting botched, uh, the forearm. But. And, uh. What else did we do at CWF, man? We we had some good ones. We did have some good ones. We had, uh, we did those. And then, you know, we started somehow. uh, You you went into a thing with Shane Williams at one point, and I went into a thing with KT. Right. Well, that that one with uh, Shane, that was in 06. Because that's when we had that Japanese death match. Good grief. I remember. And that. You know, oof, I don't ever want to do one of them again. But that was Man. that was some <laughs> some rough <laughs> that was some rough stuff. And you know Shane, I mean, he's like Mick Foley. He's gonna he's go tough, out man. there, yeah. He's gonna go out there, and if he ain't if he ain't giving his whole body. Uh, then he don't feel like he's give the fans their money's worth. But man, that it's guy. never my style. But I respect the guys that can do that. Right, man. they just right. They, they've got more than than what I could. Yeah. I, I can't yeah. do it, man. I you know I watch some of Tank's matches. You know those those death matches like that, man. I'm like, hey, dude, he is a tough son of a gun because there's some licks in those matches mm-hmm. that I wouldn't even dream about taking. Right. I mean, that's one tough end of tank. Yeah. That's oh one yeah. Tough individual right there, and I respect yeah. him to the far ends of wherever. He yeah. just don't end. I respect that man because it. I'm gonna tell you now. He's. I've seen him bloody as anybody. Yeah. And. I, I don't know, man. There's a level of tough. There, there, there's tough like what you and I are, and then there, then there's that level of being tough, oh, yeah. and it's just something that I can't match. No, we did, you know, we you. did a lot of hardcore and no DQ stuff in in CWF, but after that one with uh, me and Big Country in '06, I I distanced myself from it and and let the other guys. Hey, you want to do hardcore? Y'all do as much hardcore as you yeah. want to, but you know. Uh, but I remember somehow uh, Jeff Bowman's show started to fade out or whatever, and uh, and Robbie started taking over running Dayton. Oh yeah, and 
So we transformed into you know into TCW and yeah. running Graysville. Right, and then that's what I was going to say. Then they moved to Graysville, and then we kept the co-promotion thing mm-hmm. going. But now I'm talking Graysville was a hot town, buddy. I'm going to tell you what. Aside from working you there. I don't think me and Brandon Daniels could have tore the house down as many times anywhere as often as we did. I mean, I'm gonna tell you, I traveled with that kid three years. Yeah, and we didn't, you know, we didn't do the same match, different town. We done different match, different town. Right, and it was all together different. And yeah. I remember uh, who was it? Tracy Smothers and Ricky Morton. It was in <laughs> Harriman, Tennessee. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Harriman. He come in there, Ricky Morton and uh, Tracy Smothers come into the locker room and said, you boys ought to be on TV. <laughs> uh, and that was the first time Brandon had ever really been around a name. I think he, he had worked with Raven at some point. Yeah. But um, but he, TCW was a hotbed, and I, and I, was, I was truly saddened whenever that it went downhill. I know. And uh, I don't know what took it downhill. And uh, I don't really know. I don't really know either. But I'm telling you, those those shows that we had in the was it an old school gym school, or whatever? Yeah, yeah man. Those were some hot shows. And then even when we moved over to the to the ball, the ball field. fields was good. There was a lot but, of dissension, man. That came in that locker room after a while. And, and I ain't trying to put this on anybody, but uh, the locker room got too loose. There wasn't enough control. Right. Uh, too much drinking going on in the locker room. Yep. Um, not enough organization. Yeah. And it got away. And the inmates were running the asylum. Exactly. Had, had clicks. Well, the thing about it was, is is Robbie, Jay West should Joey should have ran CWF, and Robbie should have run TCW. But the problem was, is that Joey ran both of them. Mm-hmm. And it got to be too much. And so what happens whenever you start running out of ideas or whenever something, something starts, get, starts getting away from you, other people start trickling in and taking over. Yeah. And I was a part of that. I didn't do it any good because then I started, I pretty much started calling my own shots. Right. That's why I joke around. And, and in Keith Hart, too. I, I joke around because when, when was a 4th of July show? What year was that? Um, is when I, it was whenever I, I won the strap from Rivers. We had that Iron Man match, and because remember we done the Iron Man match inside the school gym. We went, we went. Uh, well, no, we didn't do an Iron Man match there. We worked twenty minute time limit draw for the strap, and then the crowd started chanting five more minutes, and we went to, th- and we done three more five more minutes yeah, with a big pull that. apart at the end, and then at the ball field we done the Iron Man match, and. It came down to, uh, I want to say I got in trouble right off the get-go, and Rivers hit me with a belt shot or something like that and uh, pinned me within seconds of opening bell. And so I was fighting uphill the whole time uh, trying to tie it up Mm -hmm. or possibly win it and send it in overtime. And it was just, the crowd was so hot, it gives me goosebumps. Because right as... uh, Right as it was like 30 seconds left down, Rivers misses something big. I take advantage, put him in the, uh, you know, I didn't have a name for it, but I, it was a scorpion death lock. I put him in that, and with two seconds left, he taps out. 
and I tied up with yeah. two seconds. Look at that goosebumps on my arm. <laughs> uh, the crowd was hot. They were screaming, hollering, kids flying all over the place, and <laughs> what have you. And then instead of calling the match a draw, uh, Robbie comes out and saying there must be a winner to this, kind of like uh, Sean and Brett. Yeah. You know, there's got to be a winner. It can't end in a draw or, you know, time limit, whatever. Uh, so we didn't go no hour. Uh, we went, at most, we went 38 minutes because the Ironman match was 30 minutes, and I think we might have went another eight. But that's where I joke around and say that the original super kick party was started. <laughs> and this was before, you know, it got – world recognition from the young bucks uh because uh there's some more kids come in stole your gimmick you need to go go shoot on they, prob- they probably wear your gloves too well you know what? <laughs> they got a television show and i don't yeah <laughs> <laughs> so but uh we joke around about that being the original super kick party because this this is I can't remember the year really. It was close to what maybe two thousand ten, eleven, something like that. Yeah, it would have been anywhere between nine and eleven. So I remember everybody, mirror image wise, even Jay West, um, KT come in took a super kick, Casey Cage come in took a super kick, Jay West come in took a super kick, uh, Keith Hart come in took a super kick. Brian Rivers fed around, took a super kick, one, two, three. Yeah. I win it all. They're shooting fireworks and crap off. It's, yeah, that was. Uh, so that's what we joke around and call that the original super <laughs> kick party because Keith Hart was it was the one who caught. If Keith Hart and Johnny Rock were in the building, everybody was taking a super kick. <laughs> yeah. Every, don't, don't care who it was. Fans, old women, <laughs> person taking money at the door. You're getting a super kick. Yeah. You're getting a super kick. You're getting a super kick. Yeah. Oh man! And uh, yeah, we had so, we had some good times up there. Remember that the when we did the war games? Oh gosh! Uh, CWF versus TCW war games. It was and, so yeah, it was so confusing because I remember coming in house of fire, dude. And uh, the it was the most awkward thing because it was instead of war games being two rings, it was one ring. Mm-hmm. So we had an overabundance of weight and people inside the steel. Inside the steel, <laughs> and it was. And it was weird because when I when it was my turn to come in, crowds ex- exploding, and I'm and I'm supposed to feed the rivers because that's where the angle was uh, within the war game angle. Yeah, uh, there was a separate angle leading into the Ironman match with Rivers, and I come in and he's standing right there as soon as I step in the ring. So and I don't want to touch him right off because I want the crowd. I want to let that build for a few seconds, you know, before I get my hands on him. But he's the first person standing there when I get in because everybody else is hugging the corner, giving us room. Yeah. But you're in a 16 by 16 foot ring, and there was nowhere for him to go because you got, you know, six other guys in the ring. Right. And so <laughs> I laugh at myself because I got in the ring, and instead of going right after him and, and getting on him, I go to the crowd. <laughs> and- and I, I start turning macho man circles and getting a crowd. And, he, and he's standing in the ring going up and down like, no, 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 no. And it's like, now what in the world was stopping me from hitting him as soon as I got in? It's just right. one of those comical things where you get in the ring and you want to let the anticipate, uh, antici- anticipation build before you punch him, but you're three foot apart. <laughs> it's like, why is Johnny Rock doing an Indian dance right here in the middle of the yeah. ring and Brian, Brian Rivers is telling him not to? No, no. Oh my lord, that was good. That um, was, yeah, that's some fun stuff. 
we did some we did some good stuff. Another match that I've always enjoyed uh, was when we were doing the uh, Mid Southern Title Tournament up here in Benton. Yeah, and me and you uh, did that match, and that was my first match back in almost a year. Arm drags and headlock takedowns. Yeah, all it no, was. No, no punching. No, I mean it, it was. There was one. There was one clothesline in that. That's because I I couldn't stand not to bump hard, I and I called it and kind of. That was the only bump other than a headlock takedown or an arm drag. Right. That was. And that's that was whenever we was watching Brad Armstrong tapes a lot, and <laughs> Ricky Steamboat tapes a lot, and. Man, those are some good ones. But uh, you want to watch an arm drag? You watch Brad Armstrong or Ricky Steamboat? Yeah, yeah. I don't care who you are. Oh man, well, what else? What's uh? Oh, there's just there's so much, man. You know, you, you we're we're trying to cover seventeen and eighteen years worth of material in in a. I don't know. It's been over an hour now, and we've barely yeah, broke the no. surface on anything. No, we'll definitely um, have to do it a, this a part yeah. two another time, but uh. <clears throat> I don't know. As far as wrestling goes, I didn't see the end of it coming. Uh, if you want to fast forward from you know all these years all the way up to 2019, here I am, double champion for EWA, uh, which is Chip Hazard's promotion, down to TWE and Red Bank, uh, run by Jaden Newman and that group over there. Um, this is coming off a big run that I had at uh, Georgia Premier Wrestling with Woody and Daryl. Um, I'm going to say this from the bottom of my heart, man. I just I couldn't have had the last few years of my wrestling career, if that's what you want to call it, go any better because I can't recall having any bad matches. I can't recall not wanting to work with somebody or, or being – I, dude, I was in such a comfort zone with where with who I was and where I was at and who my character was. Um, I I was into it so much that I didn't see the injuries piling up. Yeah. And I uh, just going into 2019, uh, we had talked about this. Um, I was double champion, and for whatever reason, both promotions talked about me holding the belts for a total of two years, and. Uh, I had just crossed over that first year marker, and I was supposed I won the belt at five five years strong, maybe maybe not. I can't remember. No, I, oh Lord, who knows? There's so much that's happened, but I remember uh, beating Adrian Ackle for the belt there, and I was in the middle, and I was heel this time, mm-hmm. uh, paired with Roger Cantrell, and uh, so uh, I knew something wasn't right but I didn't know how bad it was. And then uh, going into talking to Jaden about having the belt for two years and who should I drop it to. And there was, you know, we had several people that we had mentioned uh, and we had it settled on Joey Sparks Mm -hmm. because Joey and I had some of the best matches for two big guys that I could have ever asked for. Yeah. Um, I think our match at Outbreak, some of the boys from Nashville had come down, and I can't remember the name of the promotion because at this time I was really battling my injuries and I wasn't telling nobody about it. 
and I had a lot of stuff that was slipping by me, even uh, having trouble remembering spots. And uh, I had a lot of stuff happening, and I wasn't telling nobody. But even the guys there said that the main event at Outbreak, I believe is what it was, between myself and Joey Sparks was every bit worthy of the main event. Mm. And truth be told, I should have been done that night. I should have dropped the belt then. But I got greedy, and we come up with this angle of me holding on the belt to the belt for, for two full years because most promotions nowadays don't invest in people like that. Right. They don't invest in... <clears throat> They don't invest in in a person for that long. It's okay. Well, this guy's gonna be champion, and this guy's gonna be champion. This guy, we really zeroed in on making the heavyweight title something. Yeah. And I believe that longevity was the way to do that. Have me hold this belt for this long, and then drop it to somebody, uh, and have a great match, and that's my exit. Yeah. Put somebody over, uh that needed a little nudge at that show and be done. And um, I didn't get to make it to the two-year mark because I started uh, started feeling funny, uh, started having numbness and tingling on my left side and stuff like that, and I never thought for once that I was hurt that bad. Um, and I started seeing a doctor, and I was afraid at first it was my heart. And I remember having a lot of matches in that last run there where I was nervous about going out and performing because I was afraid of my health, but it never, you couldn't have noticed in my match that I was nervous, mm -hmm. but I, I would go to my wife all the time and say, you sure I'm okay? This is going, I'm going to be all right when I get done with this, right? And I think at that point, when you start questioning whether you're going to be all right after a match or not, that's when you need to really consider being done. Yeah. So I pursued finding out what was wrong with me and come to find out after, uh, I didn't find out the results of everything until after my last match that I didn't know was my last match. Um, I worked Aaron Wade at six years strong, I think. And um, he had he was having a hard time getting over at the time. He's a greenhorn. Had a hard time getting over. And uh, we went out there, and he was super nervous. I was always a little nervous about working with me, but this was his first opportunity at a big show. And he was earning his spot. Mm -hmm. And um, so we go out there, have the match, and, and the crowd at first was not split. They were they were cheering for me because at this point I had transitioned without really knowing it and without meaning to. I had transitioned from the top heel to the top baby face. Um, and the whole plan was to turn it was to turn me back heel, screw Joey over, which set up me dropping the belt. Yeah, but I went into this baby baby match with Aaron Wade at six years strong, and it went from the crowd cheering for me to the crowd being split, to the crowd being on his side, mm. and uh, we had a we had a good match. Um, little did I know it was my last one. We got to the back. The boys gave him a standing ovation, and even though I I won that match and retained the belts, um. I didn't stay in the ring. I bowed out. That way he could get his. Mm -hmm. That was my whole plan. Give this kid a nudge. Show these people that he can hang, that he's that he can get that push, and 
when the match is over, regardless, help the kid up to his feet, let him get his glory, and let the champion leave even though he won. Yeah. Don't bask in your own glory right then. This is somebody else's time. Right. And that's what I done. I left the ring, and um, he has a like a like a uh, martial arts style gimmick. So he he bows to the crowd, and I want to say he might have might have gotten a little bit of a standing ovation. Uh, I know I did see people in the crowd standing and clapping for him, and he did get a standing ovation from the boys in the locker room. That's cool. And then uh, I later found out health wise that uh, all the years of taking these bumps has riddled my lower back. And hips with arthritis, which makes it difficult for me to to move and walk at times, and uh, it also caused a bulging disc, you know, in my neck. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, dude. I mean, I don't have the money to have this stuff fixed. Yeah. You know, and that's what it was. That's what it is now. I still, ha- I, I'm still battling it. But when you turn your head to the left, and your face, and your arm, and your leg, and everything starts feeling funny and going numb, there's something wrong. Right. And I just don't, at, at at the time, I'm 40 years old now, but at the time, I still had an opportunity to get out and not have to have surgery unless something else happens later on. But I had the opportunity to slide out at 38, 39, 40 years old and let these younger kids who deserve to get the spotlight take over. Right. And that's what I've done. I just... Uh, I called Jaden, and I was in tears because, I mean, my wrestling career is over. Just as quick as it started, it seems like. Yeah. Um, and I always said uh, I, there was a certain way I wanted to go out, and little did I know um, before uh, I wrestled that match on Saturday night with Aaron Wade. Wednesday, I found out that I was done. Mm. And now looking back on it, it's like, let's go back and talk about God here. God had a plan. Right. I did not realize that what I wanted to do, I'd done. That kid got over with that crowd that night. That kid got over with the boys in the locker room. He got over with himself. Now he's got the confidence to go out there and know that he can hang with some of the best talent in the area, if not the best talent in the area. Right. Well, that's the that's the whole thing, you know. the the old The old way, uh, you know. Everybody now wants to wants to make sure they're getting their spots in and they're going over. But the old way is when somebody's on their way out, they're they're giving the rub to somebody and passing the torch to somebody. You and can't, that's what you that's what you did with that. Situation. You can't make new stars unless you put them over. Yeah. It's it's what suffered. It's what it's what WWE WWE and and those promotions have suffered. Since the Rock, the Triple H, the Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Shawn Michaels, the Undertaker eras, the they were so fixed on these guys like that that they forgot to make, in my opinion, new stars. And that's why whenever you had your John Cena's and stuff like that, by that time, crowds got a different opinion of of, of what they want out of their their baby faces or who they want to see on top. And, and right. that's just my opinion. I mean, there's no fact of that, but. I just think that WWE at some point forgot to make new stars. And now they're trying to make new stars. But the problem is, is when you start looking at the roster and you've got guys like AJ Styles and Ricochet, uh, Cedric Alexander, all these guys can do all the same stuff. 
Right. What the wrestling business, in my opinion, is missing, and this is what I took pride on, is find something about you that sets you apart from Casey Cage, mm-hmm. from Brian Rivers, from Keith Hart, from KT Hamill, from Brandon Daniels. You find the one thing that you do better than anybody, and you do it. Yeah. And it's not so much, I, in my opinion, wasn't the talent. It was the face paint and my look. Yeah. Yeah, after, after, uh, after, I guess, I don't know when, I don't remember exactly when you started really coming into, you know, you mentioned earlier about the, the jeans and t-shirt and all that, but when you really started getting your look together with the face paint and the, and the gear and, I mean, you really started coming together in that whole package, man, that, that, that package in my mind, had you had the chance to get in front of, uh, the, the biggest uh, audiences in the world, I believe that you could have drawn money. Uh, I think you just needed you needed that break. But well, I mean, I also as we've discussed before, you you were al- always also one of those who you cared more about being at home with your family than you did. Uh, that's a lot of misconceptions. A lot of my friends growing up, man, why didn't you go to WWF? Why didn't you go to WWE? Why didn't you shoot for TNA? I didn't want to. Yeah. This might be hard to believe for these guys out here that are working towards a contract or something like that. And it doesn't mean that I love the wrestling business any less than anybody in this world. It just means that I loved my family, my wife, and my kids more than I loved the wrestling business. Yeah. And so... Even though I might have wrestled these rinky dink shows and these back, you know, these hole in the wall shows and these little towns here and these little towns there, and maybe I I wasn't on TV every week, but you know what? I got to see my wife every night. Yeah. I got to see my son every night. I got to see my daughter every night. Yeah. And that I wouldn't trade that for any of the memories that we've been talking about. Right. And that's something that I didn't. That's something that I didn't learn and something that I didn't care about uh, up until uh, I was saved in 2012. I, you know, I had a love for my uh, wife and my kids, but my number one passion was wrestling. I worshipped wrestling. And, you know, I was, I was traveling and I was, I was running the roads and and doing everything that I could to make it, yeah. and you know, uh, I always wanted you right there with me. And I look back now and see where there was times where I would get frustrated with you because I'm like, you know, you could be right here with me, but you chose not to. And now looking back, uh, it's just because you were more of a man than I was. Well, I mean, I'm not saying there weren't times that I wasn't envious of you and Brian seeing y'all on SmackDown. I mean, Rivers getting to take an RKO from Randy Orton and taking an E-bump, and I hope he hears this because I'll (laughs) never let him live that down. He didn't take a flat face bump with that, Uh, but he was there. Yeah. I wasn't. Um, No Joey Lynch, Matt Fortune, you know, or Matt Lynch. Mm Mm-hmm. Seeing those guys, yeah, I mean, it, you're always going to be envious of whenever you see one of your buddies on TV and, and it's like, dang, dude, I had the same opportunity that they did. But the difference maker is, is I 
I didn't want that. And not saying that they chose wrestling over their family. It's just they chose to do this a different way. Right. Um, they made sacrifices that might... Basically, that you just wasn't willing to make. They were... Yeah, exactly. They, they, they are able to make the sacrifices that... I was not willing to make. Mm-hmm. Not saying, now again, like I said, I'm not saying any of these guys, speaking of Matt and Joey, I'm not saying that that makes them any less men or any less loving of their family. I'm they, I hold them in, in a high regard, and I'm sure they love their, their families, their kids, as much as I love mine. Right. But I, where they had the nerve to take that step forward, I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And that's all what it boils down to is they sacrificed a little bit of time, but you know what? They made more money at this than I did. Well, and and, too, and they got more recognition than I did and things like that. And, yeah, I mean, it makes you a little envious from time to time. You start thinking about, well, dang, I used to wrestle these guys and tear the house down. Yeah. But you know what? They were more dedicated to the wrestling business at that point than I was. Well, and that's the thing. You know, with when me and Rivers was – out there burning up the roads and doing the shots for WWE and everything. Just the honest truth, and I've been honest about it ever since the Lord changed my life. I worshipped wrestling, and like I said a minute ago, yeah, I I loved my wife and my kids, but in my eyes, and this is selfishness, but in my eyes, uh, they knew what they were getting into when they come when they chose me to be the husband. Not not necessarily my kids. Yeah. But you know, in my mind I was like, No, this is who I am and I'll be danged if I'm gonna if I'm gonna give it up for anybody else, I'm gonna achieve my dreams. So the thing is, uh where where some of those guys can can have their families and still uh make it and live their dreams, I chose not to i chose to sell out my family yeah and have my have you know try to achieve my dreams because i didn't want anything standing in my way and of course the business now is different than it was back then you know the way i was brought up is hey you don't you don't talk about wife girlfriend you make sure everybody thinks you're available you don't you don't need to be talking about family that's that's personal uh, you need to you you got a personal side and a business side and you don't you, you don't mix the two. Well, the thing is, and all these guys and the guys that I've mentioned and 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 you know all of my friends that have done well for themselves in the wrestling business, it's you go into this with the with the um intention of making it to a point to where you're making a living doing this and you provide your wife and kids with a better life. Right. And like I said, they these some of these guys were able to make sacrifices that for me I didn't make mm-hmm. because I didn't want to. Yeah. I wanted to, you know, they can sacrifice and and even though it was spread out, you know, these guys are great, great guys, great amazing talents and they deserve to be on the biggest stage that, that they could possibly get a hold of um it just wasn't for me right and that's what it boils down to i'm sure all these guys have went into wrestling and took these opportunities and, and missed these time with their family and thought you know you know if i do this maybe this is what's going to propel me to this next 
step to where I'm bringing in more money for my kids. I'm bringing in more money for my wife, and it's going to make their life easier. And I'm sure that's what the intentions are. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, getting to do that and live your dream at the same time is like a double whammy. Right. You know, and and that's what I respect about them. But I don't want to talk down about nobody, and I haven't, in my opinion, I haven't no. said anything derogatory or negative about any of these guys. I'm just saying that it it wasn't for me, and you know, I respect the guys that were able to make those sacrifices because you made our area look good. Yeah. When they when they when these people find out who this guy was that worked on 205 Live and where he come from. He got covered by the by the local news here. That's awesome because you know what? That he he put us on the map. You know, he well he helped put us on the map. Yeah. He, he he opened up, you know, hey, there's some great talent in this area uh, and I'll challenge anybody to that anywhere across the country. You'll find some of the best talent around this city that you'll find anywhere in your Matt Lynch, in your Joey Lynch, in a lot of these guys, you know, you'll find some of, if not the best talent in this area, you know, whether you work for EWA, TWE, AWF, Empire, which had one of the most stacked rosters that I'd ever seen in my life for a local show. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you worked it for TWA and Dalton, all this, do you, you, I challenge you to find an area with better talent than what we have here. Because I'm telling you, if, if WWE or anybody wants to know where the talent's at, you come to Chattanooga because I guarantee yeah. you somebody will point you in the right direction. Well, they, there's always been a lot of hidden gems in this area. There still there, is. There is, yeah. And there's a lot of guys who uh, who were good at marketing and getting themselves out there from the beginning. Then there were, there were some who, uh, you know, I don't want to say fumbled around, but for lack of a better word, fumbled around for a few years until they found their self. They found their gimmick. They found what suited them that propelled them to the next level. Uh, but, I mean, they're all in here. And, yeah. and I mean, we've worked with the best of them. I, and I'll be honest, man. I'm Like I said, I do get envious at times that maybe I didn't take it as far as, as my potential. But at the same time, I have no regrets in this business that I was a part of. Um, I wouldn't change anything. Not one experience, not from all the bad matches and botches to the five-star matches uh, where you couldn't get any better than what you were. Um, All the friends that I've made, every time somebody got mad at me, uh, every promoter that never paid me or that paid me more than what what maybe I was worth. um, I don't have any heat with anybody. All these guys that's in this brotherhood, you know, I just... I'm glad to see that it's going to prosper and move on. Um, I'm just excited to see, you know, once I start stepping back into the direction of, because I don't even really watch wrestling right now. Yeah. Um, once I start taking that step to to being more, I guess you would say just take a step toward, back towards the wrestling business in some kind of way. Maybe, I don't know. I doubt I'll ever be a part of it ever again unless somebody asks me to come do like a one-off, you know, hey, poke your head in uh, for whatever reason. But, I, I, you know, I'm just I'm, – I'm excited to see what's what's going to happen in Chattanooga, excited to see where some of these young guys are going to end up landing. Yeah. Uh, I just want to tell everybody 
that ever shared the ring with me was involved as, in so much as a run-in or anybody that ever took a bump for me, anybody that ever let me pin their shoulders to the mat, anybody that ever let me do anything or make me who I am or who I was, just thank you. You know, without every single person that I ever worked with from Brandon Daniels to Casey Cage to some of these guys, and I can't even I can't remember everybody I ever ever worked with, but there was not, there's not a person that I don't think I'm talking to everybody: Daryl, Woody, Paul, uh, Chip, Jaden, you, Joey, uh, you know, Drew over at Empire, um, all the guys that taught me lessons, that, that critiqued me, that told me that I didn't look good whenever I thought something looked good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for giving me one of the best experiences that I I will ever have. And then, you know, thank you to the wrestling business because without that, I wouldn't have my wife. I wouldn't have my children. You know? It gave me so much, and I was bitter for a long time, you know, saying that wrestling is one of those industries that you give everything to, and then at the end, you, you, you're broke down, you're old, and you're out of shape and it's it takes from you and takes from you and doesn't give anything back well the truth of the matter is it ta- it puts out as much as you put in honestly yeah and it may not come in the form of money or bookings or fame and whatever but it it comes in the little things like what we've been talking about the memories right my wife my kids my friendships all the people that I've met all the people that I've worked with. Thank you to everybody, man. There's nothing else to say yeah. as far as wrestling goes. That's done. It's closed. Shut the book. I believe that about sums it up. But, you know, in my opinion, and this is, uh, you know. Especially the fans, dude. That's, yeah. that's. I remember in my retirement speech at TWE, I was so bewildered at the fact that I was retiring that I forgot to even thank the fans. So do the fans, dude. To everybody that ever believed in me, that paid and bought a ticket to watch me perform, to all the little kids that painted their face yeah. like I did when I watched Sting, you know, thank you. Thank you for investing in me. Thank you for giving me your time, your attention, your cheers, your booze, whether you hated me, you loved me, legitimately couldn't stand me, legitimately loved me. I don't care. Thank you. Yeah. You made my life better. That's awesome. Well, to wrap this thing up, I'll just say, you know, like I said in the beginning, in my mind, uh, you are the best that I ever stepped in the ring with, and that's no disrespect at all to all of the great men. I've worked with some of the greatest guys uh, from our area to all over the country, WWE, TNA, all these guys, but just the chemistry and the way we always gelled in my heart and for me you are the best that I ever stepped in a ring with and your your knowledge and your wisdom uh, is something that uh, some of these shows around here should be taken advantage of if you felt the urge to ever get back involved because just because your body might not be letting you that brain uh, you know, there's a lot of knowledge and you can still help a lot of people. Now, with that said, I do have a little bit of heat with you. 
because as you as as we talked about uh, <laughs> a year or two ago, whenever you first told me that you retired, uh, you know, m- my plan was to have my retirement match with you, and now I'm I'm still just floundering around here uh, trying to decide whether I'm in or whether I'm out. <laughs> uh, you gonna have to flounder on because <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I don't, you know. Well, I'm I'm just playing. I would have loved to have had a, you know, a dream match with any of my best friends or any of my good friends would have been awesome. But uh, we all can't have what we want, and I'm grateful for the way it ended. I'm grateful that I got to have a last match in its entirety. Um. And I'm glad things fell the way they failed because who knows, our, your last match with me uh, or our last match together, what if we botched? Then we're going to have to go back and do it again. <laughs> yeah. you, know we can't, you know we can't hang this thing up on a bad match. So, well, maybe you know, that's right. Our last match that we had at TWE was a good match, and I had fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Uh, that one that we had at uh... – at chips. at chips. Well, even though second rope broke or whatever, yeah. but I'll tell you now, for any of those guys that, that are considering retirement or thinking about it, you know, maybe maybe you already had your last match. Take a look at what you've done in the business and say, and ask yourself, is it time? Yeah. Don't be the guy that's hanging around too long. Right. I knew it was my time, and uh, I knew it before I got the news I was hurt. Don't wait until you're hurt. Yeah. Look for those signs beforehand. Uh, that's it, dude. I mean, that's it. Well, brother, I definitely thank you for being here. And this is fun, you know. I just it was. I really appreciate you uh, asking me to come do this. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll do a part two someday uh, and get to some of the stuff. And the we've not even gonna, scratched the surface yet in almost two, two hours. hours. <laughs> two hours and. Uh, I just, you know, I really appreciate you, and 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 for those of you that do listen to this, um, fans and some of the boys and uh, or anybody that's you know that listens to it, just you know, uh, I miss you and I love you. Uh, but uh, Johnny Rock's time's uh come and gone, and he's on down the road now, and. Uh, maybe Johnny Willis will show up at a TWE or EWA and poke his head in the door and say hey. <laughs> so you never know. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to Wrestling for the Faith with Casey Cage. Sponsorship opportunities are available. Contact us at wrestlingforthefaith at gmail.com for more information.